0: Good Cubers, it's your boy Matt.
1: And your Lady Lori.
0: And welcome to Cube for Two and You, where we discuss all aspects of magic and cardboard and how they relate to Cube.
1: That's right. We enjoy cubing so much we just had to share it with you. So what are we talking about today? Well, today we are going to be discussing how to play test cards in your cube.
0: That's super exciting. Are you ready to start? Sure, let's so- get started. <laughs>
1: We would just like to remind you that if you enjoy this podcast, to leave us a little rating and let us know.
0: Yeah, it's the best way to help other people find us is to have a little rating, a little review. iTunes will bump us up a little further in the search results and help other people find our Cube content. But enough with the self-plugs. On, on with the show.
1: That's right. So today we're talking about how to play test cards in Cube, but I first want to clarify for our viewers that we are constantly tinkering with the Cube and not always just playtesting. So when we say playtesting versus tinkering, how would you explain that?
0: Well, a lot of times when I'm tinkering, I'm really just trying to tweak one card inside of maybe one deck. Maybe there's a white two-drop I'm not happy with, and... Or someone says, you know, hey, this Mistral Charger, you should try Mistral Charger, Evasion's really sweet, and so, you know, I sub it in. But when I think of playtesting, I think of, you know, a set has come out, and I'm about to drop in, you know, anywhere from 5 to 15 to, in Eldraine's case, like 20 cards. What am I going to cut? What am I going to add? And how does this change the, the decks inside our cube?
1: Right. And I, I noticed that frequently you will add a card when you're trying to add to an archetype or a special deck within the cube. But we enjoy actually doing the playtest. And every time one of the new sets comes out, we think of what cards we are going to add to our cube. That is a fun thing for us. Oh,
0: absolutely. We'll even playtest bad cards just to have some new cards to look at.
1: Yes. Yes, we do. <laughs> So when you're thinking about what cards you want to include, how do you actually evaluate the cards?
0: Okay, so for me, and I'm speaking for me, there, there are two methods of evaluations that you can use. And the first method is the floor-ceiling method.
1: Floor-ceiling. Those two words mean nothing to me. What do you mean floor-ceiling?
0: Okay, so you picture the card being played in its worst circumstance. And then the card being played in its best circumstance. What's the floor of the card? What's the ceiling of the card? And ideally, for a cube, particularly a cube that is as strong as ours, uh, the floor has to be pretty high. We don't want cards that are duds. It's more about a high floor for us than it is about a low or about a high ceiling.
1: So typically, if a card doesn't pass the vindicate test, it does not have. A reasonably good floor.
0: Yeah, especially uh, four mana and up for me. Uh, if you're not passing the Vindicate test at four mana or up, the floor is really low.
1: So let's take a look at these drain cards because a lot of them had the adventure aspect. Yeah, for sure. And one of them was Order of Midnight for one black and one colorless. You get this creature with an adventure on it for Alter Fate for one black and one colorless. If you cast him as a creature, you're getting a 2-2 flyer that can't block. Yeah. But if you cast him as a sorcery and put him on at the adventure, you get to return a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Can you kind of explain what the floor would be with that card?
0: Yeah, sure. So like the floor of Order of Midnight is you don't get to cast the adventure, right? You don't get maximum value. Instead, you just play a 2-2 flyer for two mana, which is fine, actually. Evasion is really good. Two mana is great for the aggro deck. It's a solid price to pay. You can just play him on curve, right? Turn one, play a Gravecrawler, you know, and then turn two, you play the Order of Midnight, you've got a 2-2 two, two Flyer, and the aggro deck is still trucking.
1: Right. So even if all you're getting out of this card is a 2-2 two, two Flyer,
0: mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's fine, right? The floor is fine. It's, it's, it's perfectly reasonable. And the ceiling is that you pay two mana, you get a creature that you really like back to your hand, and then you cast the Order of Midnight and get the 2-2 two, two Flyer in addition to... Getting to play that other creature back to the battlefield. And so that's a lot of value all off of one card that's like, it's like you cast the adventure and then you drew a copy of the 2 2 flyer that you could then cast at your convenience.
1: Oh, I do like it when I was able to get the Ravenous Chupacabra out of the graveyard. Mm-hmm. So I. Cast the Sorcery and send the Order of Midnight on an adventure. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pull the Ravenous Chupacabra out of my graveyard. Cast the creature side of Order of Midnight. And then next turn, something of yours is going to die. Yeah. That yeah. feels pretty good. So I, I guess I can understand the way it would be a ceiling is...
0: Is maximum value. What does yeah. a card look like? Best case scenario.
1: All right. Well, that makes sense. Ceiling floor. Are there any other ways you judge cards?
0: Yeah, we can get a uh, technical, and I'll give a shout out to the boys over at Limited Resources for teaching me about quadrant theory.
1: Quadrant theory?
0: Yeah, qu- quadrant theory. Is
1: this a cube show or a math show?
0: Well, it, it, it's just imagining how a card plays at different quadrants of the game. There's no fancy equations or anything. So here's the way quadrant theory works. Quadrant theory takes into account where you are in the game and how the card performs at that moment. So there are basically three game states.
1: Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about, I think. Like when we were de- we were playtesting the Regal Leosaur, Yeah. That boros card yeah. from this Ikoria set. And we kept talking about how it's no good on a turn two. It's no good when you play it early. Yeah. Is the, that what you mean?
0: Yeah, so like the floor... On, on him haha, is super low when you play him as a two mana two two right right so that's him when you're at parity or when you're ahead right is when you're playing him uh as a two two body right how does that feel when you're ahead
1: and in that card it felt absolutely horrible
0: yep how does it feel when you cast him and you're behind
1: worse don't cast him don't play him
0: right and if your board is empty and you can't mutate him and so like you're behind and you have to play a 2-2 vanilla that feels horrible oh
1: gosh when you discuss it like this why are we still trying to play test him well
0: because i was excited by the ceiling you know like the the when the aggro deck is doing what it's supposed to when you're ahead and this is why it's not a good card Uh, when you're ahead you mutate right and you destroy your opponent right but the problem is he seems to be only good when you're ahead
1: that's true so i guess if the card doesn't have enough upside at the beginning of a game or when you're tied in a game mm-hmm. or yeah. you know if it doesn't have enough upside when you're not getting at its max value
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe it's not the right card for your cube
0: yeah and that, that's why the leo sword doesn't cut the mustard oh yeah that's
1: why i leave all this stuff to you that's a lot of thinking
0: yeah it is i just
1: like the playing. <laughs> i like to play
0: yeah so I we like get to play with you Family (laughs) podcast. I didn't say anything bad. I didn't say anything bad. Oh my god. I like
1: to play with you. I like to play cards with you. Oh my god. I mean I like playing with you too.
0: (laughs) I do. Okay,
1: well let's assume that your wife um knows what you're talking about when actually I don't. Okay. And let's let's just assume that I want to play test. What do I do then? Because if I can't evaluate the cards on my own, what would you
0: suggest? Well, if you can't evaluate the cards on your own, I know a really sweet YouTube channel <laughs> that you might get tuned into. Um, no, you don't You don't have to worry about evaluating uh, cards on your own. There are plenty of people to do that uh, for you. I'd like to give a shout out uh, to the boys over at Solely Singleton on their podcast. You can actually ca- catch them on Apple as well, and you should. Um, and a huge shout out to Usman, who writes over at Cool Stuff, Inc. He's like the grandpa of Cube. He's fantastic. Uh, he releases a set review article every time a new set comes out. He play tests everything. Um, and the write-ups are really excellent. So yeah, if, if, if you don't want to listen to me and you don't want to listen to the boys at solely Singleton, listen to what Usman says. He writes the gospel according to cube.
1: Oh, that sounds good to me because I like the playing. I don't like the thinking behind the cube. tweaking. <laughs> I leave that to you. You pamper me and I, I get the cards out and I just say, let's play. So you're getting your ideas from Usman and solely Singleton. Um, I think you've also gotten ideas from White Wolf One Two Three. Oh gosh,
0: yeah, yeah. Oh my, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, don't absolutely. don't don't let me leave him out. Uh, he's over at MTG, MTG Salvation. He writes in the forums over there, and his content is excellent as well. Right,
1: right. Well, we can't leave out the fact that Magic is a Gathering. So talk to your friends, boys and girls, and figure out which cards they think you should be including.
0: Absolutely. Sometimes I'll even play test a card I know is bad, just because you or, or Josh has expressed interest in like, you know, like I wanna play it. I'm like, all right, well we'll we'll plug it in for a few drafts and see how it goes.
1: Absolutely. And sometimes I I will make you pick a card that's yeah. not very great.
0: That's all right, it's fine.
1: So you mentioned supporting a deck. Can you give me an example of what you mean by that? A card that would support a deck?
0: Yeah, okay. So um lurus We we we've added lurus with Icoria, right?
1: Yeah. Is that the one that allows you to get cards out of the graveyard.
0: Yeah, so Luris is one hybrid Orzhov, hybrid Orzhov for a 3-2 lifelinker. He's got companion. We're going to ignore that for now. And then his uh, meaningful line of text is, you can play permanence with a CMC of two or less from your graveyard. You can play one a turn.
1: And that seems pretty good.
0: That seems pretty good. So Luris has made it into our cube because we support a Orzhov Aristocrats deck. Yes, we do. So... I put him in to make that deck a little bit stronger. He's hybrid mana. He's super easy to cast. So you're always going to be able to play him on curve if you're in the Orzhov deck. It doesn't matter if you've got Plains or Swamps or neither or one or each. It just doesn't matter. So you'll Mm -hmm. always play him on curve. And then he'll always let you get your Blood Artist or your Zulaport Cutthroat back out of your yard because they're two CMC or less. Mm -hmm. Right? So we include him as a play test to help beef up that deck.
1: True but I'm, I'm going to go backwards here for a second because okay. I'm, I'm going to have applied knowledge. Okay. The floor for him would mm-hmm. be that you get him in your hand early and you don't have anything in your graveyard to recur.
0: Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. The floor on Luris is, gee, there's nothing in my graveyard. I played a three, two lifelinker for three mana,
1: but still lifelink. So that's okay.
0: Yeah. Like it, the body on him is fine.
1: Yeah, absolutely. mean, he's easy to cast.
0: Yes. And, and the floor is also that you just play him and he gets killed because your opponent's scared of him you know like well, you Loris gets killed yeah well you know there is an option is that you wait and play him on turn four so you play him he hits the board you hold priority and then you use him and then they kill him but All if right, you if true. you tap out on turn three and play him then yes the floor could be uh source to plowshares deuces
1: well isn't that always the way When you're playing against someone who has swords to blouse. That that
0: frequently is the way. Yes. But that you have to just be okay with that being the floor. Are you okay with your three drop getting popped immediately?
1: Personally, no, I'm not okay when you kill my creatures. I want my creatures. I need my men,
0: but (laughs) you and your game of Thrones references. (laughs) Um, Okay. Yeah. But at three mana, you can stand to lose your creature at six mana. When you're it it just, it hurts. It feels so bad. So your six mana threats have to be more resilient. Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. That makes sense. When you decide that you're going to play test these cards, especially for, you know, a new set, Uh how do you pick what you're going to take out? Why can't you just, you know, pick these five or ten cards you want to play test and add them to the cube?
0: So... You, you you can you can i just want to say you can you can take the five or six cards you want to play test and you can just dump them into your cube That's- but I,
1: I can see your face uh, listeners he is making this ridiculous face over here like that is the worst possible thing you should do so why don't you explain to us why that is why you, a- you gotta call me out like that this is radio <laughs> they didn't know I, I know i'm sitting
0: right beside you
1: so tell me why shouldn't i just dump my cards in my cube and play test them that way
0: so i want to re-emphasize you can if you want to I'm having anxiety just thinking about it. <laughs> there, there are some there are some really good things that come out of removing things, removing cards from your cube in order to play test. And for me, I think the big one is is it forces you to consider who's the low man on the totem pole, right? Like which card isn't pulling its weight. And sometimes it'll force you to make some hard cuts. Like, are you leaving that card in the cube because you love it and it's your baby? Or are you leaving it in the cube because it does its job?
1: Well, to be fair, that was something I really struggled with when we first started cube. There were cards that I saw and I was like, oh, I love this card. And it turns out that it really wasn't pulling its weight. So although I might be a a favorite or a fan of certain things, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to put in cards that complete the cycle and complete your cube in a good way. So, for example, when we were playtesting this new Ikoria card, Cogla, I think it was the Titan 8.
0: Titan 8. Cogla. Uh,
1: So it's a 6 CMC beater, and I think you pulled out the Honored Hydra for it. How did you make that distinction?
0: Okay, so there there are two choices um, that you can do when you playtest, or at least I should say there are two choices that I use when I playtest. And one is I pull a card that fulfills a similar role, to see if the new card fills that role and how well it does that, or I leave the comparison card in and see how drafters feel about the two together, or to compare it against other cards in that spot. So in this case, Honored Hydra is the cut, right? And Honored Hydra, for those of you who, who don't know, is a Five and a green for a 6-6 six, six trampler that has embalm for three and a white, which means you get to embalm it out of your graveyard after it dies.
1: Which is a gross ability.
0: It's really strong. It's like drawing you another copy of Well so In this case, I cut Honored Hydra out. And when I say I cut it out, I don't actually mean that it like got rid of the card. I have a cube on deck binder. And so anything that gets cut out of the cube goes into the binder. That way, maybe I can bring it back later. But anyway, so I cut Honored Hydra because I wanted to see if Kogla could fill the role... Of the six six beater and how good his upside was or bad it was compared to the honored hydra's embalm. Right now the hydra has trample, but the kogla fights when he comes in, right? So he's a six mana six six that fights another creature, which means he you know he kills whatever he fights. He's a six six. Absolutely. Um, so I was curious if the fight ability was better than the trample ability. So I just, I switched them. There was no need to leave them both in to compare.
1: No, and you're not going to be needing that many beaters in, in the end of your curve anyway. Yeah, I'm not trying
0: to mess up the curve of the cube right there that way. So um, so yeah, we were just comparing the the trample versus the, the trample and the embalm versus the, the fight effect. Um, and I think b- so far we both know how that experiment has turned out.
1: Yeah, if if you didn't hear our last podcast, we definitely preferred the Honored Hydra to the Cogla Titan Ape. But I do remember playtesting, and it was really nice to be able to have Cogla in my hand Mm -hmm. and know exactly what the other card would have been. Yeah. So I could think to myself, I would rather have the Hydra because I could play it. On the right curve i didn't have to have three green lands to be able to produce that mana yeah. or i knew that once Kogla went to the graveyard that if that had been a hydra i could have gotten it back with the embalm so it was nice to have that actual knowledge between the two cards as i was play testing i can give you better feedback for it
0: it really just lets us see how much the decks that played honored hydra want Kogla, and it turns out it's not that they don't want the fight effect they do want the trample. Oh,
1: yeah. Trample's good. Trample's um, good.
0: Trample, trample seems to be better than fight at that CMC in that body.
1: But I've also seen times when you have placed a card in the cube and you didn't take out the other one that you were placing mm-hmm. it with. Yeah. Like the Eidolon of Obstruction. You yeah. left in that and the other card to see which one was better, which one you
0: Yeah, okay. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Eidolon of Obstruction is one and a white for a 2-1 first striker. Uh, and his abilities is... Uh, loyalty abilities of Planeswalkers your opponent's control cost one more to activate. And so yes, I could have cut another 2-drop white creature for him, but I really just wanted to see how he played in relation to that entire suite of creatures. Um, so instead, I think I actually cut like a 4-drop white creature and just added him to those uh, other 2-mana beaters for the white aggro deck. Right. I just wanted to compare him. How good is taxing the Planeswalkers compared to the rest of the suite of 2-drops?
1: Absolutely. And
0: you know, most of the white aggro decks, when they play white weenie, you know, you play three or four two drops uh, in addition, you know, to like your seven one drops or whatever. Yeah, it's
1: it's good to have at least two creatures at the same CMC in your hand at the same time. So you can even say, golly, I, I can only play one of these at this time. This uh-huh. is the one I would rather have. Yeah. So that is another good way of playtesting to be able to compare two cards.
0: You get a good sense of how relevant the ability is. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: But as you're playtesting, do you always think of replacing cards that have the same CMC?
0: No, no. It's it's, it's very much just like Eidolon when I was just talking about. Like I cut a four drop to play Eidolon. You do not have to cut creatures who are the same CMC. Uh, You don't have to uh, cut creatures for creatures. Sometimes I have Planeswalkers I want to test. I'll cut creatures for them rather than cut other Planeswalkers. Um, It's really, it's not necessarily about the creature or the CMC. It's more about what deck, what decks want this card let me remove a piece from them and add this card. Or let me remove something else and make that deck a little better with this card.
1: Tell us, when we were playtesting Luris of the Dream Den, what did you actually take out to playtest him?
0: Uh, we run a Orzhov enchantment called Hidden Stockpile.
1: Oh, I know Hidden Stockpile. That's the one white, one black enchantment with Revolt. Yeah. So at the beginning of your end step, if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, you can create the one one colorless servo artifact creature token. And then you can pay one sacrifice creature to scry.
0: Yeah. Yes. Are you impressed? Yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. It didn't sound like you were reading that off the screen at all.
1: Hey, hey, hey that's a secret. Don't <laughs> tell them.
0: Um. Yeah, so we cut Hidden Stockpile. Hidden Stockpile was a sack outlet for the Orzhov Aristocrats deck. Yes. So... I had two options and option one is I cut a gold card from another guild and play lures to make the Orzhov deck show up more to make that, that aristocrat deck show up more. You don't have you to can make... do
1: that. You I'm... can cut something from, I don't know, Rakdos or is it to play an extra card in Orzhov?
0: Yeah, absolutely. There are no rules.
1: There, are... I don't like this world you live in. I like <laughs> rules.
0: <laughs> so I, I will admit most of the time I try and target my weakest guild card in that guild and remove it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is what I did here. But if you're really trying to force a deck or force an archetype, I like to over support it if I'm playtesting it. So like when you wanted to add the artifact deck, right, I cut a ton of stuff Mm. and plugged in a whole bunch of different artifact deck synergies all over the cube. Right. And then we trimmed the bad ones out the more we playtested the deck.
1: That is true. I do remember us doing that.
0: Yeah, so I, I over-supported. And I lopsided our cube. We were playing more blue cards. The colorless section went up. I trimmed several bad guild cards. Uh, I eliminated the Wildfire deck initially. You didn't even notice, obviously. <laughs> because I
1: never play Wildfire. No, absolutely not. I probably need to watch one of your videos to understand what in the world it does.
0: But uh, we've put it back since then. <laughs> but um, but but yeah, so no, there, there are no rules. And if I'm really trying to playtest a single deck, then I will try and increase the density to make sure the deck happens more often. I think my favorite group of cuts were the Eldrain adventure cards, you know, where they, where they're modal. And so like you really could, you could cut an instant and play murderous rider.
1: Those were some good cards. Or
0: you could cut a three drop. You know, creature and play murderous rider like you really could just cut anywhere you wanted to it felt really liberating to just cut whatever
1: you know it's it's so funny that you mentioned that if if we look back over the way our cube has evolved over time mm-hmm. i mean most recently it has been the eldraine stuff where we have these mutating creatures just slamming the board and you all these the cycle- icoria stuff is it icoria icoria okay so we have the icoria <laughs> we've got icoria Creatures coming in, slamming the board with mutates and cycles, and it's it has its own feel yeah. to the cube. Yeah. But if we go back to Eldraine, it was very mythical. It was very fairy tale. Yeah. And you had these adventure cards and all of these fairy tale creatures that would show up in the cube. And I actually like the way the cube evolves over time. It creates these strong memories yeah. and plays that we have.
0: Well, because we, when we play test, we seldom play test. You know, four cards. We'll we'll play test like twenty. So it really does feel like the set has invaded the cube. Yes. And we're seeing tons of new cards every draft. Yes. So the cube really does have a different feel for a little while every time a new set comes out. And then, you know, then we pare down. We put back in the stuff that was good. We take out the stuff that was bad.
1: Yes. And and to be fair, we probably draft our cube a couple times a week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we draft a lot. We we really do.
1: Well, if you are playtesting these extra things and you've got your your guild's going wonky with um not being balanced how do you decide what you leave in and what you you know take back out play your feedback play your feedback
0: yes you can listen to them whine about their cards and then you can make some some intelligent cuts
1: knowing that i'm the one person you play with most often and you you say listen to them whine about their cards i'm a little affronted by that Uh, a little offended i should say but um, no, I mean, it's true. It's true. I'll tell you what I th- feel about the cards and how I feel about the play.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, you, you you listen to your players and, you know, they'll tell you, like, this card didn't do enough or I was never happy to see this or this looks like a two drop, but it's really a five drop and it plays that way. And at five, it's too much mana or I have to hold it too long. You remember complaining about Eternal Witness?
1: Mm, I remember that we took it out.
0: So Eternal Witness lets you return a card from your graveyard to your hand, right? It's a Uh, three-mana creature, and you cast it, and you get a card out of your yard and put it to your hand. Right, and
1: I remember telling you that we needed more help getting creatures into the graveyard and then back onto the battlefield, that I don't want creatures going back to my Mm -hmm. hand just to have to cast them again. Mm -hmm. Is this this what you meant?
0: Yeah, yeah. So you didn't like that uh, it didn't get your creatures onto the battlefield because you wanted to help the reanimator deck, which is fine um not the play it again and cast it again deck no i don't want to do that what we found more often than not is that there wasn't something in your graveyard you wanted because players were trying to play eternal witness as a three drop eternal witness is not really a three drop Lanoir elf on turn one into eternal witness on turn two is crap there's nothing there's nothing to get floor low floor right so you paid three mana for a two one like congratulations I don't want that. Yeah, so we, and and I cut it for different reasons to to help the the green mid-range deck, because it just wasn't doing anything for them. In, in powered cubes in different environments, Eternal Witness is stronger, but it's also about realizing what CMC a card really has. And so if you're only playing a few three-drops, and Eternal Witness is one of them, then you don't really have, you have fewer three-drops than you thought you had
1: i don't think i understand when, when you say okay the cmc of something how can it not just be exactly what's on the card if i'm looking at a one black one other creature or spell how is it not a two cmc thing
0: because you might not want to play it on turn two so for example we're just talking about eternal witness right mm-hmm. so you don't want to play eternal witness on turn three if you're curving out you don't want to play Eternal Witness on turn 3 there's nothing in your yard so instead what you wind up doing is holding Eternal Witness in your hand waiting for there to be something in your yard so that then you don't feel horrible when you play Eternal Witness so Eternal Witness is really a 4 or 5 drop at the earliest to help you bring back whatever got nuked at the beginning of the game
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, it's also really good in like Simic decks where, you know, like you cast the Ponder and then you play the Eternal Witness and you get the Ponder back or... Gotcha. Or Time Walk, you know, if you want to do really busted stuff. Okay. Um So, yeah, cards don't really necessarily have the CMC on them that they have. There's an opportunity cost that you're paying. Opportunity I, cost? Yeah, absolutely. Opportun, like it's the opportune time to play it? So we're getting a little bit in the weeds here, but uh I'll, I'll shout out Patrick Chapin for, for teaching me about... Cards and having hidden mana costs on them. My favorite example are tap lands. A, 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 the hidden cost on tap lands. Yes,
1: I think you explained this to me once. So when you play a tap land on turn one, and you, it feels bad because you don't actually have any mana I didn't to have use. a one drop. I didn't have a one drop. I couldn't use my one drop. But actually having the tap land was your one the drop. The tap
0: land is your one Fixing drop. Fixing
1: your mana on turn one was the cost of being able to play it. Yeah, so. it's, it's
0: the opportunity cost, right? Aha. So sometimes when I look at decks, especially in like retail draft, and I'm like, oh, I've got only got three one-drops, but I drafted four tap lands, I've really got seven one-drops. Mm. Fun facts, boys and girls. No charge for that. All of that's free.
1: Nice. <laughs> nice. You should read more often. <clears throat> so um, there's one more thing I wanted to mention. How do you keep up with all these different cards you're pulling out and pulling in is there i mean do you keep a notebook somewhere how are you keeping up with all of it it's a lot
0: you, no do you don't keep a notebook you you use a website uh my, my the one that i'm using currently is cube cobra uh shout out to Gwen and Ryan Sachs and all the guys who work on that website uh bless bless all of you um no I, I, you need a website cube cobra is fantastic if you don't want to use that one though you can use cube tutor uh, Ben i think is still running cube tutor And, you know, you can store your cube on there, but it's just so easy to sort your cube uh, by CMC or to put your colors out in curve view so you can see exactly how many white one drops you've got. Um, It's it's by by far, (laughs) use a website if something happened to those guys. Uh, I just, I don't even want to think about that. That, that, that would be a miserable, miserable experience. Support their Patreons guys. Just saying support their Patreons.
1: Yes. There's a need for cube content, but there's also a need for ways to sort their cubes. Yeah.
0: The platform is really, really instrumental.
1: Absolutely. Obviously our viewers know that I'm not the one that's designing our cube. No, that's, that's not my role. My role is to enjoy it and Mm -hmm. sit back I'm not the curator I'm a connoisseur
0: (laughs) (laughs) you don't make the wine you show up and drink it that's
1: exactly right (laughs) so I get to sit back and play all these cool cards and then I have this feedback for you I'm able to say hey I don't like this card Mm -hmm. or that was busted I want more of it Mm -hmm. so what do you do with all my feedback (laughs) oh that face
0: (laughs) so uh Years ago, Mark Rosewater was at a, a game developers conference and he gives this fantastic speech. And in that speech, one of the things he says he has learned about magic is that players are fantastic at pointing out what's wrong or what they don't like about something, but they're horrible with solutions. So, so you should take their feedback, but take it with a grain of salt and apply your own solutions. Um, and, and So you're telling me that
1: <laughs> just, just like in our marriage, you hear me, but you're not listening to me (laughs) is that what you're trying to say
0: (laughs) man that couch that couch is gonna be so comfortable tonight um to an extent i definitely am listening when you tell me that something played well or that something didn't but sometimes you or another drafter um will tell me like oh this card stunk and i'm like i look at the card you know maybe you're playing tectonic giant or something." Um, what's a good example of Scargan Hellkite you're playing Scargan Hellkite right like it's the 5 mana uh, big fat Hellkite and like well, oh cool it, it, was, it was horrible you're like yeah it was, it was horrible well you know what deck were you playing it in uh, I was playing it in Boros Aggro you know and it makes me want to cry a little bit like I, I guess you could play it in Boros Aggro but our cube's way too fast for our aggro decks to be playing that kind of five drop. So, of course, it didn't play very well for
1: Right. You. I mean, obviously, if you are the designer <clears throat> of a cube and you know that cube experience and how you've built your decks, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, certain cards work better and function better in yeah. different decks and archetypes than your cube. So listen to your drafters, yeah. because what they have to say matters. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, you're going to hear, you know, feedback that they like, and then feedback that you just kind of need to throw away because they don't know how you designed your cube.
0: Yeah, well, and and to be fair, uh, it's also your responsibility as the curator to design it in a way where the format feels intuitive, so that they can draft your cards and figure out, you know, like what decks are available inside the cube. So, so yes, like sometimes, especially new drafters, young drafters, you know, some of the more inexperienced people who draft our cube occasionally, uh, I definitely see misplays in their card pool. But other times you'll hear drafters whine about something in your cube that it, you're, you're happy with. You know, like, oh, you know, the red aggro deck, I got murdered tonight. Well, you know, you're playing a dirtily deck get right. good as they say right um, so if,
1: if a player comes in and, and is trying to play control in Celesnia, you don't have any sympathy yeah the, cele- the Celesnia control deck
0: isn't functioning right <laughs> really sorry. tell me more <laughs> tell me more you know Wrath of God didn't feel good after your four drops well
1: that's <laughs> one of the reasons why the guidepost cards those guild those yeah. cards yeah. are so important because they really do help your drafters kind of see what this guild is trying to do.
0: Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Guidepost Cards, uh, Wizards does this in their draft set. If you look at the Uncommons when you're drafting Retail Draft, the Uncommons will signal to you what decks are available inside the draft, and the gold cards at, at Uncommons specifically are strong signals at what the archetypes are. And so in our cube, for the most part, our gold cards are meant to help drafters figure out what that color pair wants to be doing. Um, and so yes sometimes new drafters don't catch on to that and they train wreck and they end up in like a big mid-range pile and they get hammered Um, but for the most part for the most part I think that we're pretty good at trying to help guide them before the before the draft begins but all that's a, a whole nother issue
1: absolutely well speaking of other issues I believe our next podcast is going to contain one of my favorite specialty cubes
0: Oh yeah, no, no doubt. We've been drafting it hardcore in preparation for it. Next week, we're going to talk about uh,
1: cubing after dark. After with dark, the
0: cube. Ooh ah, you can't <laughs> draft that while the kids are awake. Actually,
1: no, we we <laughs> do not typically play that cube or draft it when the children are up.
0: No, no, much to, much to our son's chagrin
1: yeah our our little son he he wants to play the uncube so badly but some of those cards are just not appropriate for his age level
0: no no because no. because sh- we should specify our uncube plays uncards from all three unsets and some of the older stuff is not not for children
1: yeah yeah absolutely although that's not going to change the podcast if you guys want to listen in and yeah. hear about the uncube if your kids
0: are in the back seat you'll be okay
1: yeah yeah it'll still be family appropriate yeah so that's going to do it for today, Cubers. If you want to playtest cards in your cube, you can either listen to some of this advice or let someone do it for you.
0: Uh, I see you've chosen the latter option.
1: Absolutely. That's the one that fits me most likely.
0: If you guys have questions for us, please feel free to reach out. We're at cubefor2 at gmail.com. You can catch us on Twitter at cubefor2. And don't forget, if you want to actively support our channel, feel free to use that TCG Player affiliate link in the show notes below. We'll see you next week. And as always, and until next time,
1: shuffle up and keep cubing our friends.